Praise the Lord, everyone. I want to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day myself. And like Daddy said, I do desire your prayers this morning. That's <coughs> fantastic. <coughs> Uh, if I lay down, it really goes wild on me. Uh, I figured I'd be over with it completely this week, uh, but it's still hanging around for some reason. I'm, and for me, it's a ordeal because I know I'm not used to really going through it. I get, I get, you know, kind of sick every now and again, but usually didn't hang around long. But it's decided to this time, and so. But, but uh, I give the Lord praise and glory for it, and I know He's going to take care of it and get it out of me as soon as He sees fit. Thank you. So uh, this morning, uh, before I read my uh, scripture text, I want to read you a couple of quotes that I found. And uh, first one is, uh, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. That was Abraham Lincoln that said that. Next one is, my mama was my greatest teacher a teacher of compassion, love, and fearlessness. If love is sweet as a flower, then my mother is that sweet flower of love. That was Stevie Wonder that said that. And then uh, the uh, last one I had wrote down here, kind of silly, it said, it, uh, it's true, but it's a silly, funny way. It's not easy being a mother. If it were easy, fathers would do it. <laughs> and that, that was... <laughs> Apparently, that was said by some time by the character Dorothy off of the Golden Girls show, if y'all remember, the Golden Girls show. So, which is, like I said, is very true. If it were easy task, we fathers and men would, would jump to the occasion if it were easy. But it is not an easy uh, task at all to be a mother. Just like the video they showed, is, I mean, that hit the nail on the head. You can't, that's very much it uh, right there. Um, this morning... Uh, like I said, wish all the mothers happy Mother's Day, and I hope to be uh, through the Lord, be a blessing of some some kind to you through the Word of God this morning. Praise the Lord! Thank the Lord for mothers. We're going to read uh, in the Book of Ruth, uh, chapter one, and we're going to read verses fourteen through eighteen to start this morning. Praise the Lord! Glory to His name. Beginning in verse fourteen. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For what it, wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you lie, I will lie, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Verse 18, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Ain't that, ain't that how it is? You, you know, when uh, you could tell when somebody's done, they got their mind made up, their, their feet is firmly settled and planted, they're not changing their mind, and you can just hang it up and forget it because when, when the mind's made up, that's it. It's said and done. 
And that's what Naomi had saw right there, that uh, Ruth was going to stay by her side at all costs. So let's pray this morning. Lord, we come to you this day. We thank and praise you for the service thus far and the worship. And Lord, we thank you for our mothers today on this Mother's Day, whom we give praise and glory to you for them. And we thank you, thank you for them, Lord, and for all that they have done for us. And Lord, we pray today that we somehow may be a blessing to them through your word and give, give them words of encouragement today, Lord. As we celebrate this day for mothers, we give you praise and glory in all things. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, as I began to prepare for uh, the message today, I was, uh, you know, trying to think something oriented toward mothers and uh, what would be a good direction to go. And uh, it all of a sudden come to me, almost like a light bulb, uh, of what my mama always says herself is she's blessed she's not i'm not lucky i'm blessed and she's always known for saying that so as a, a text this morning to uh, a subject to speak on i'm going to speak on living a blessed life so that's what i'm going to try to bring across this morning is living a blessed life and like i said my mom is noted for saying that she's blessed and not lucky and although we tease her about it all the time there is truth to it our lives are blessed and blessed greatly, not because necessarily of our own actions, our own doings, but because of a loved one whom pleased the Lord, a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother, an aunt, someone in your life that loved the Lord and praised his name, believed wholeheartedly in him, gave him praise and glory continually, and the Lord honored that and honored in turn that that mother seed their children from generation to generation glory to the name of the lord so we thank god for these women in our lives that fear god and love god so much they never gave up on their loved ones and as a result of this dedication to the lord god grants us a favor of a blessed life and that's we today are living blessed lives because of our mothers and grandmothers i'm so thankful for them as we celebrate mother's day today we're reminded of how great they are and how they love us and care for us and give a life of service to their family at no cost they don't ever ask anything in return they have such a love for their family their children even their husbands that they do things for them uh, so much and so great they care for them taking care of them nonstop. They don't ask anything in return. It's that love inside of them that does, that does it for them. And uh, back to our uh, scripture text, re, uh, talking about Ruth, we know the story of how uh, Ruth uh, wanted to stay with her mother-in-law because not Naomi's husband had passed away and the two sons. And so it was a time of famine in the land of Moab where they were, and so Naomi had decided to go back to her, her home uh, native land of Bethlehem. She was going to travel back. And so she tells her daughter-in-laws that now because uh, that, uh, her, she has no husband and has no sons, she cannot give them, no, she cannot bear any more children for them to have, take husbands. G you know, s stay in your land, go back to your families, start over here. And the one, the one daughter-in-law, she hugged her and had, had their sobs and said goodbye and, and left and went on back to her country. But Ruth says, no, I'm not going to do that. 
Now, what caused Ruth to do this? What caused Ruth to have such a stirring in her heart to want to stay with her? Because the Bible says that uh, it's about a 10-year period that they, that, uh, that they were uh, together. They were married. It was about 10 years. So somewhere in that 10-year span, Ruth seen something in Naomi and, and saw something in her about how she worshiped God of Israel and took, and took care of things that she wanted to stay with her. She didn't want to, because Moab was her, her home. That was her land. So she, and she was willing to just give it up and walk away to follow Naomi. So Naomi had to instill something in her. or Something struck a chord in Ruth that caused her to want to follow her. And it, get, it caused her to want to give up her pagan heritage and follow Israel and the God of Israel and being faithful to him and devoted to Naomi to take care of Naomi, you know, take care of her and, and, and care for her. And because of her devotion and love, God rewards her uh, with a new husband, Boaz, and, uh, and also a son, Obed. She was able to, as they went back to uh, Bethlehem and things transpired, and Boaz uh, saw her in, in, the, in the fields harvesting, and as it, the harvest was left behind some for her, and she picked it up and was gathering it. There, there was a, a scripture says there's a process that took place to where she had redemption. She was grim because she was like a foreigner in that land. She wasn't native to there. There was a redemption that took place for Ruth, and uh, Boaz became her husband as this process took place. And we know that, uh, Je- they, that Obed is the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. So Ruth was the great-grandmother of David. So when so that's so that was my thinking was you know Ruth saw in Naomi something that stirred her to want to go with her and that was passed down to her that she was blessed because uh, because of it and then we we find out that it kept going to gener to the generations. Uh, Ruth love and devotion was blessed by God and passed down through the generations most notably as we know now King David. But have you ever wondered where young David's desire come from? Where did his strong zeal for the love of the Lord come from? I believe in part it was passed down through his mothers and his grandmother. And, and I believe that's where it came from because, you know, young David, his first uh, steps uh, that, that we hear about was where he comes up against uh, Goliath the giant and the Philistines. Now, what would make this young man, the eighth child of, of Jesse, what would cause him to have such a, such a fear and reverence of the Lord and have such strong and uh, favor of the Lord and just believe greatly on him to know that he didn't care about the nine-foot giant Goliath. He didn't, he didn't care about him. He trusted in the Lord so much. That came from somewhere, and I believe in part it came from his mother's. It was taught. Things were passed down to him, and he had a strong zeal, zeal in his heart for the Lord. And because of that, because of the great women in his life, David turned into a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says. David was a man after God's own heart because of uh, his great-grandmother, what was passed on to him. And he passed, in turn, passes on to his son Solomon through a covenant that God made with David. There, uh, David uh, uh, feared the Lord, or feared and trusted God and was after his heart so much that God created had a covenant with him, the Davidic covenant. And there was three things that God promised him. It was a land forever, an uh, un- unending dynasty, and an everlasting kingdom. And that's what was promised to David. And because these things had transpired and, and passed down from young David's life, he began to live a blessed life. 
God began to bless him. He feared he, he was after God's own heart, yeah, but there, there was something behind him before him that set him up for that, that caused him to believe so heartily in that. He lived a blessed life. He was a, 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 a blessed man. Glory to the name of the Lord. Uh, praise the name of the Lord Jesus. So that is one of the greatest things mothers can do and is pass down a love and devotion of Jesus to their children. Again, I believe that's what happened in David's case. I believe that there was such a love and devotion to God Almighty that they passed it down to David. Glory to the name of the Lord. And that's the one thing that our mothers can do uh, still today in our day and time is pass that love and devotion for Jesus down, uh, teaching them to pray and always going to God in, in everything because that then doing that will instill a blessed life in their children. Their children may grow up and kind of step out on their own, do their own thing, have their own mindset. But you know what? They're still going to be blessed because they got a mama that prays, a mama that, that seeks the face of the Lord, and they're going to live a blessed life, not because of what they're doing, but because their mama did or because their grandmama did or because they had an aunt that did. And they could come back to God as a result of it. There's plenty of, of aunts and, and grandparents that teach children and try to show them the way, and children will remember that. If the mothers direct them that way, they will definitely remember that. Praise the name of the Lord. So uh, King David lived a blessed life, and God was with him and showed him great mercy and protection. We're talking about the blessed life that uh, David was living. I mean, even the first king, King Saul, whom had it in for David, couldn't even touch him. He tried twice to throw spears at him because he was so angry at him and couldn't touch him. Missed each one. But on the other hand, when David had the opportunity and could have and uh, killed King Saul right away, he didn't do so. He didn't do it. Uh, I believe there was one, one instance where he took uh, a, ju um, a jug of water and an article of his clothing, I, think, I believe it was, took, took, it, uh, took it just to show that he'd been there, went on a hillside and hollered out to him and said, hey, you, I could have ha had your life, but I didn't. But, he was, and, but David was quoted as saying that he would not do that because King Saul was the, an the anointed of the Lord's. He recognized the anointing of God on Saul's life. Even though Saul had uh, uh, drifted away, he still wasn't going to take that opportunity and kill his pursuer who was after him. He wasn't going to do that. So he declined to do that because he was the Lord's anointed. And David was also known for his diverse skills as a warrior, a writer of psalms. Oh, man, could he, he could write, couldn't he? He could, he could write some psalms and, and he very skilled in battle. As king, he, let, he united the people of Israel, led them to victory in battle. And although it wasn't for him to build the temple that he would have loved to do so, so much, he, want, he, want, he wanted to build a temple, but it wasn't for him because he had blood on his hands. He was a man of war. Uh, he paved the way for his son, the next generation coming up, to do so. Uh, king Solomon was the one that was to build the temple, and he paved the way for him. So uh, David didn't live a perfect life by any means. He had his mess-ups, and, and we know that, and where he had uh, um, took uh, Bathsheba that he saw out uh, one day bathing, and her husband was off in war and uh, had her come, come to him and uh, he ascended before the Lord in that manner. But he asked God for forgiveness. 
He asked God for forgiveness. He stayed, he stayed true to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God forgave him and honored him and, began, and still began to bless him, even still some of those wrongdo- wrongdoings. And that gives us hope today, not that we should mess up or, or anything like that, but to know that if we confess our sins before the Lord, ask him for forgiveness, knowing that we messed up, then he'll still bless you. He'll still forgive you. He'll still take care of you. You're, he's not going to just throw you away and discard you because you messed up, you know, a couple of times. And we know, like I said, he didn't live a perfect life. It's not. It's not. It's not uh, uh, easy to live a perfect life. We can't. We cannot live perfect lives. But we have to ask the Lord for forgiveness. Uh, praise. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and he even tried to warn his son Solomon about staying true to God. Let's read First Kings two, uh, one through four. Praise the Lord. This is David's charge to Solomon. In verse one, it begins to read like this: Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying. I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord, your God, to walk in his ways. Keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That the Lord may, this is the, this was the, uh, verse 4 here, that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke to me concerning, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And King David was uh, trying to let his uh, son Solomon know, Hey, son, stay true to the Lord. Keep his commandments. Stay strong in him. And I believe he probably had some conversation about his, grand- his grandmother and his mother in there as well. They showed him and, and trained him up in the way that he should go. He wanted him to be true to the Lord so that, so that the covenant would be everlasting. And so Solomon was to uh, uh, take place in, his early, in Solomon's early reign. He was blessed and truly blessed by God with wisdom. And Solomon, I believe, was a wise man uh, before uh, that uh, God gave him the gift of wisdom, really and truly, because Solomon... Uh, if uh, Solomon had a place for his mother, uh, she, she had her throne at the right hand of Solomon. So uh, uh, let's read. Uh, uh, let's read First Kings two nineteen right quick. And it says, "Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah, and the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand." So we find Solomon was honoring his mother. She had a place, and uh, he was honoring her and respecting her and loving her. And Solomon was living a, a blessed life. And like I said, God appeared to him in a dream and asked him what he would what would he request of the Lord to give him. And Solomon said he wanted an understanding heart. First Kings three and nine. It's, it's told before us, Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? That was Sol- Solomon's uh, had, uh, his family had shown before him 
to yearn for God, strive for God, follow his statutes, uh, follow his commandments. So Solomon had this in his heart. He was striving for God. Because he did, he wanted the wisdom. He knew he was going to have to watch over the people, judge the people. He knew that, and he wanted to have the wisdom to be able to do so. If he wasn't after God his heart himself, he would have just asked for the riches and glory and fame that come with being a king. He would just set himself up to be you know, a, a great, mighty king, not caring about the people, not caring about anybody else, but he didn't do that. And I believe it was because of his, the generation that come down, the blessed life that each one was living. And that was passed down to him, So, and he followed suit. And that's why the Lord, because Solomon had, had asked of this thing, the Lord said, likewise, I will give you the wealth and the riches and honor that come along with that. Even though he did not ask for it, he just wanted the wisdom. So King Solomon was living a blessed life. And this wisdom would soon be tested by none other than two mothers. And, and Brother Paul mentioned uh, a little bit of this this morning in Sunday school, uh, but that's what we're going to read next in First uh, Kings 3 uh, and 16 is uh, uh, King Solomon's uh, wisdom that was put on display that he, that he had to discern here. Beginning in 16, it says, Now two women who were harlots come to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, O oh my Lord, this is this woman, and I dwell in the same house. And I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened that the third day after I had given birth, that this woman also gave birth. And we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and lay him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. So, uh, Already we find we find here uh, that uh, she knew her child, although they had just been born. That she already knew her child. She, you know, when you're a new mother and you have that baby, you you check that baby over. You you know a birthmark. You know every little aspect of that baby. So no one's going to even even though today they'll put tags on them right away on on their ankle or on their wrist. And I remember that when our girls were born, they put one on me so that there's no mix up of the child leaving the hospital. But the mother who's going to examine her child and baby, that's not going to be an issue. She knows her child. She knows her baby. And uh, then verse 22, the other woman said, No, but the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, No, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. Excuse me. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. King Solomon said, We'll just sell this right here now. We'll split the child in half. You can each have half of them. And the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. 
But the Lord said, but the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. Wow, isn't that something? She'd already lost her son, and she didn't care that this other one was about to lose hers. She's willing for him to both be dead because she already didn't have hers. She already been uh, had grieved that loss, I guess, and just said, well, I, if I can't have my son, I don't want this woman to have her son either. But that wasn't to be. So the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is the mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. So we find, you know, that Saul's uh, wisdom was tested here, and he was living a blessed life because of the ones before him, his grandmother and his mother. It was living a blessed life. And so, come on up, Pastor. And so uh, today, that is the good word that I want to leave with you today, is that living a blessed life is more than just what we do or how we go about it. It comes from our mothers and grandmothers, great-grandmothers, and even aunts. He has caused us to be blessed and live blessed lives because God honors those who honor him. And if our mothers today uh, in our society, I know we have godly mothers here in our society, if they would raise their children up to bless God, honor God, teach them to pray, they would be continue to live a blessed life, regardless of what the child comes becomes grows up to be doing, because of the mother. And God will honor and bless each and every mother that honors him and blesses him and gives him praise. Glory to the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all